Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got him worried, didn't I? Dramatic pause. I thought I was gone forever. Thought you were gone forever. No, that was a good podcast, though. Hopefully you enjoyed that last one. Went a little longer than we normally do, but I think it's good information. Kelly's good. She's really good. Bummed I, like I missed the one on buying a house. Still need to buy a house one day. Yeah, I don't know. That ship, oh, really? That ship might have sailed. <laughs> <laughs> might be living in a van soon. Hey, I talked to somebody the other day. They were about to buy a van and do the van life. I mean, they were just graduating college, but... How know, big of a van? Well, you would need a bigger van than she does. Can I buy one van for me and the wife and one for the kids? I thought just you'd like, buy one for you and one for the wife and the kids. The ki- that's a better idea. <laughs> I'm going to have her van talk to you. Life. I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> Van life. Oh, I want to. If you do van life, can you let us know? I want to meet somebody who does van life right now. I want to see the non Instagram van life pictures. Yeah. Maybe you listen to podcasts and you don't have a TikTok channel. Is it a channel or is it an account? Gosh, I don't know. I'm All right. On TikTok. We got we to gotta focus today. We got to focus. We got uh, limited time to hit some good content. A couple of housekeeping odds and ends. Babe, why don't you be the person that breaks us over a thousand in the tribe? That's what I'm talking about. We're so close. How close? Uh, nine eighty something, I think. Just At saw the time the other of this day. recording. Oh yeah, we'll be over by the by the time this recording airs for sure. Tribes rocking. Uh, really excited. We're. This is gonna air after the boot camp. Nope. This is airing. Wow! Right before the boot camp. Okay. Thirtieth. All right. Well, you might have a shot right now. As we air, we have some spots left for the boot camp. So if you catch this the day it airs, you can go on to DIYMoney.org, DIYMoney.org. You can sign up for our four-week boot camp. Uh, You don't have to be at your computer the times that we do this, but you will get the uh, archive. Make no mistake, a lot of people are like, well, why don't I just buy the, you know, sign up and or whatever, get the archive when you guys are done, because we're going to package it. We're going to sell it about five times more. It's 99 bucks. This is nothing. You probably spent that much in Starbucks last month. Anyway, so... If you did, you better be tracking that. Yeah, you better be tracking that and having it in a budget on the entertainment section for sure. All right, let's go. We got a first question from Jack today. Jack, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hey, guys. This is Jack from D.C. I have enough in my HSA to cover my out-of-pocket maximum, and I'm now investing the rest within my HSA. I'm curious what strategies you all have for building a portfolio within your HSA and how that might differ from investing with other investment vehicles like a Roth IRA. How might the type of portfolio that I build within my HSA differ because I may need to use these funds for a medical emergency in the unlikely event that one occurs? Thanks. Appreciate your help. Okay, uh, Daniel, I think this is more of a you question than a me question because I don't have an HSA. Uh, So why don't you take folks through what an HSA is, why you do it, what are some of the benefits, and then circle back around to Jack's question. Sure. How about that? Yeah. You got the floor. So an HSA is a health savings account. You can only utilize it if you have a high deductible health plan, HDHP or HDP. I don't know. Lots of acronyms when we get into this space. 
Uh, anyhow, the plan that you think is a high deductible plan uh, may not be, and that's one of the really important things when it comes to looking for an HSA, because you might look at your health care plan and go, wow, I feel like my deductible is really high. That does not automatically qualify you for an HSA. Uh, there's certain qualifications of what those deductibles have to be, and more than likely, your health plan will say HSA eligible uh, in the place that you're purchasing it, whether it's through your employer uh, or through the exchange, it should say HSA eligible, or it'll actually be in the name. Like if, if you go in the Kentucky exchange and buy uh, a health insurance, it'll say whatever company, bronze plan, HSA. And it's like right there in the name. So you know that you can get an HSA with it. And that's important because there's actually cheaper plans uh, in our exchange, for instance, that do not have an HSA because their deductibles are actually higher than the high deductible plans that qualify for the HSA. It's wonky, uh, but it but is what it is. But if you don't know what you're looking at, you yeah. might go, oh, this is cheaper, and then you miss the opportunity to make you the miss. contribution, which the family contribution to an HSA on an annual basis is? 7200 right now, going up to 73 next year. Which is huge. That's mm-hmm. a $7,300 tax credit. Tax deduction. Deduction. You don't get a credit for 7300 Deduction. You deduct that off of your income above the line, so you don't have to itemize. And that's very powerful because if you are close to the line as far as being able to make Roth contributions or anything like that, that helps. It adjusts your income down prior to the AGI adjusted gross. Told you we're gonna have a lot of acronyms. AGI adjusted gross income that you utilize to figure out whether or not you qualify for some of those things like Roth contributions, things of that nature. So if you're close to a Roth contribution and you have an HSA, you can make a seventy-two hundred dollar contribution and boom. And then possibly qualify for a Roth, for a Roth Boom, and you've got, that. I mean, all these nuances. Hey, you know, I, we're, we should have something that talks about some of these things, Daniel. Probably. Boot camp. <laughs> Boom. Anyways, selfish plug there for the last little bit. Go ahead. So you have to uh, make sure you get into the plan that qualifies for this. Once you do that, you can open an HSA. It doesn't have to be through your plan provider. You can actually go anywhere that offers HSAs. You have one at? Um, currently now, Fidelity. Uh, not associated with them at all, but I've actually liked them. Uh, I had it previously at HSA Bank, uh, Further, which is the name of an HSA company. Uh, those were both great, but they were kind of online companies, and then you had to do the investments through another thing. So you logged into a portal, then went into another portal. Uh, turns out Fidelity offers it, and it's really seamless. Uh, you log in. It's there like a brokerage account. Um, and Fidelity allows you to invest up to 100% of your HSA versus some of these other companies will require you to keep 1000 or something like that nature in cash uh, outside of your investments. So Perfect. Benefits of an HSA. Uh, they're the only vehicle uh, off the top of my head that I know of that you get a, what's called a triple tax benefit. And this is pretty significant because it actually makes them better than an IRA, which means or a retirement account or a Roth. Which means that if you have an option to do an HSA and the option to do a Roth, odds are, depends on the plan, on your personal plan and, and what your future entails, but odds are- Disclosure. Be, yeah, better off to do an HSA over a Roth. So if you have to choose where to put $7,000, odds are, and you can do that because you have a family and that meets the limit for the HSA, odds are it's going to be better to put it into an HSA. The reason is, is you get a tax deduction on the way in. Number one. Okay. Then uh, if you invest that, that earnings is going to grow tax-free. Number two. now in retirement. And when you pull it out for medical expenses, you're going to not pay tax on that. Boom. Number three. Three tax benefits. How is that different from Roth? Well, when you put money in a Roth, 
you pay tax on the way in. You've already paid tax on that money. Uh, so there's no tax benefit there on the way in. Then it grows tax-free. Then you take it out without tax. That's a double tax benefit. IRAs are the same thing, just reversed. Remember, you get a tax deduction on the way in. It grows without any taxes. But then on the way out, you're paying taxes. Well, how do you figure out how much to uh, to put into an HSA? Well, um, if you run the numbers, most retirees are going to spend a buttload of money on medical medical expenses in retirement. So, really, if you put in the maximum, Did you say buttload, a buttload of money. Uh, it's a financial planning term for a lot of money in retirement on healthcare expenses. Uh, so, if you max that out for multiple years, you're it's going to take a while to even have a, the present value enough to fund your healthcare expenses in retirement. But even if you were to overfund your HSA, one of the benefits under current legislation, the way the IRS code is written, is you can reimburse yourself for healthcare expenses. And uh, most people, when they look at HSA, they kind of assume, well, if I have expenses in this year, then I have to reimburse myself at that time. The way that the current tax code and legislation is written, there's no timeline on that. So if our family has this HSA and we have a thousand or two thousand dollars in healthcare expenses this year, and we save the receipts for that, any time between now and the time we die uh, and the HSA goes away, uh, any time we can reimburse ourselves for that as long as we have the receipts. They've not been uh, those healthcare expenses have not been deducted in any way on taxes before or reimbursed before by either our HSA insurance, etc. So what this does is it provides a powerful vehicle because as long as we're saving receipts along the way, it's inherently sort of a backup um, to our finances because we can pull that money out at any time, having the proof of those, but we can let it grow along the way. So in summary, if you were paying medical expenses, mm -hmm. you kept the receipts, and then sometime down the line you needed that money for something else, you could yep. maybe, let's just, let's keep with the example, sure. you could maybe put that something else on a credit card and pay it off with your reimbursement for medical expenses. Yep, All as right. long as you got the records. Okay. Yeah, if you need to buy a house, put the kids through school, something like that. You're not pulling money out of your retirement, though it's good to let your HSA uh, accrue for later in life. But if you had to get that money, uh, if there was an opportunity to do something, you could get to it so long as you had the matching healthcare receipts that you've actually spent that money over time. And so it's just a strategy that some use uh, to sort of, in their mind, sort of have this long-term HSA for retirement, but know that at any point you can get to it much easier than, say, an IRA or the gains in your Roth. So it's just something to consider. So that gets a little bit into uh, Jack's question. And really, the important part of Jack's question is understanding why you have an HSA and what your goal is. So when we talk about financial planning as a whole, we focus on, well, what's the goal? And very specifically for an HSA, that's going to be important. Because Jack, if your goal is to ensure that you have some cash in your HSA to provide for medical expenses or emergencies now, then yeah, you don't want to invest that portion of it. Uh, one of the things our family does is we have our HSA and we think of it like a retirement account. So we're we're saving for medical expenses in retirement. So we're investing 100% of our HSA and we're trying to build up a savings account that's liquid that w covers our maximum out-of-pocket for the year so that we don't have to touch the HSA. However, if you don't have that cash available elsewhere, I would make sure that you have that cash in the HSA as a backup 
And then as you can save elsewhere, start investing that if you can. And you said the difference in Fidelity and some of the others is Fidelity allows you to invest all of it. Others don't. Others mm -hmm. maybe say, hey, you have to have this amount. And they're trying to cover you know, themselves and you from making sure you don't run into problems where if you have medical expenses and the investments are down or something along those lines, I would imagine. Probably, yeah. So basically, though, getting to the root of the question, we get this a lot. And, mm -hmm. I, and I guess I don't. I can understand from a tax-deferred situation, maybe investing differently than taxable accounts. But HSAs or Roths or IRAs or 401ks, investing, quote-unquote, differently for those different accounts, I, I, don't have any, I don't have any differentiating thoughts on that. I, I, I guess I don't. I mean, they're all longer-term mm -hmm. vehicles. More often than not, very long term, 10 years or plus. So it's a diversified allocation, target date fund or index funds or something. Why, why, would, why would someone maybe, unless they were just very concerned and they would be then very um, non-risk averse or non-risky, right? They'd be yep. very risk averse. That mm -hmm. might be a difference. But I don't, I don't think that should be a, personally a strategy. Um, yeah. So I have a mix of HSA, Roth, and IRAs. Over time, personally, my allocation will move away from stocks somewhat, um, and I'll have a mix of bond stocks. Me, personally, I would uh, lean towards putting my fixed income bond exposure in my uh, tax-deferred accounts, IRAs, rollover IRAs, 401, traditional 401k, et cetera. And I would put my more aggressive stuff in my Roth and my HSA. Because why? Because I'm not going to pay tax on those right. later. So all. I want those to Grow. experience most of the growth. Right. And if I'm going to have bonds in my allocation, I'm going to put those in the tax deferred because I'm going to pay taxes on those later and they're going to have RMDs. So as opposed to having everything, say, 70-30 or 60-40, my IRAs would be higher fixed income and my Roth and my HSAs would be uh, all stocks to potentially, there's no guarantee, potentially have allow those to grow more. Yeah, I think, and those are the... These are the nuances. We're going to try to the best of our ability to blanket coverage a lot of this stuff and and really give general guidance. We were talking to our compliance team the other day, and we were talking about this very subject matter, and it's like we have to give this general guidance. And I think we're hopefully doing a very good job giving this general guidance. But these are these little nuances that you might want to compensate someone for you know, as a fee, as, as an hourly service or something, to say, hey, would you mind looking at this allocation, making sure that these areas are correct, or or that my ideas are right regarding, you know, this fund here or this allocation here, etc., and not guess. I, I mean, that's just because it can make a significant difference. And again, little nuances like, hey, an HSA and saving the receipts and then using that to potentially have withdrawals against if you have another expense down the road, which ultimately could end up being better than a Roth IRA. So these are little things that I think people are just like, holy cow, that that's you can do that? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's 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 the business we're in. Yeah, imagine you wanted to retire at 55 instead of 59 and a half when you can tap your IRAs. You now have receipts for four and a half years of living expenses that you can pull out of your HSA. 
There you go. With the caveat that Congress can always change those rules, of course. They can change those rules. Yeah, but so that's don't not, bank on that's it. That's not one they're going to... I mean, again, somebody asked me the other day about, not I don't even know, something, and I uh, and I go, I I don't think that many people are doing this stuff. So it's an, it's yeah. not large enough for the Congress you know, co- Congress to go, oh, this is where we're going to get trillion dollars. There's no benefit for them to change that. None. In fact, it's actually beneficial for them to let you pull that out right <laughs> because yeah. then it goes into the economy it gets stacked somehow the things that they're more likely to change are are things that are going to um produce some type of tax and remove tax shelters all right let's wrap it up right there hopefully that was helpful jack thanks so much for the question all he did was send us a voice memo uh through his phone podcast at diymoney.org podcast at diymoney.org and he will receive a 25 dollars amazon gift card Remember, friends, Secret to Wealth is pretty darn simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so wisely and in the right accounts and do it for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.